Never had it so good. 101.1 Radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. As always, you know I'm happy and pleased to be here with you and ready and prepared to talk to you about the things that impact our lives now and in the future, I just hope that you recognize that this is a place that you need to have your voice heard loud and clear. Uh, Everybody, this is an opportunity for us to just talk about the kind of things that everybody goes through. Uh, You know, a number of the people who call into the show on a regular basis are over the age of 30, headed into the direction of retirement and look forward to the opportunity uh, to live on on their own set of rules, their own time clock, and the rest. And I'm certainly that person. And I wanted to talk to you some uh, today about some things that um, are prevalent amongst people of color. You know, we a lot of times, are called spenders, uh, consumers, uh, people who look to work to consume things. 
And I was listening to a tape that talked about so much of their time buying things and accumulating things. And that is where a lot of their income goes to is toward purchasing things that don't seem to cost a lot. So I just want to have a general conversation with everybody about, you know, the situation we're all going to find ourselves in and how do we make the best of the situation so that we don't find ourselves struggling. Uh, I retired at what some people may call an early age. And one of the reasons why I retired was because I decided that God had taken me uh, 30 years into my career. And he had, uh, despite uh, some of my misfortunes in terms of my some of my investments, he had allowed me to accumulate more money than I ever had in my life. And so I decided that if I am a true believer, I have to believe just like he he takes care of the, the birds that fly and the sparrow, he's going to find a way to take care of me if I'm amenable to living within my means. And I decided because I had requested a lump sum of money out of my account, uh, actually I had requested all of my money for the most part, and I put it to a, in a place where I was going to get a monthly income, and then I needed to make provisions to try not to use that monthly income or get to the point where I could call them and tell them to stop sending me a monthly income. Well, the other day I was listening to a, a morning show about people requesting pocketbook and getting in line for these persons, they had to be to sit in a waiting line. And I tried to send the these persons to all of you all just to send them. And one of the things that have lived with, I lived with all in my life was that if you carry around something on you that is expensive, you should have that at least that much money and liquid income. And I said how sad it is for somebody to walk around with a purse being worth $1,500, but yet don't have $1,500 in the purse. So you all might question my logic or how I go about thinking, but let me just share a little something with you of what I am. After retiring, I found that it is not as easy as I thought it was. I went from earning $4,000 net income to only being guaranteed $2,000 worth of income. And I used those assets that I had to make up the difference. I had a five-bedroom home. So I sought to utilize those other rooms that I did not need to assist others. I also continued to work at the Wellsville Museum for additional income. Tell them to hold on to the 
$2,000 that they were sending me. But I truly didn't believe it was going to take me two years to figure out how to to send them a message about stopping the income. And I know that I can take $2,000 until I'm well into 75. But the issue for me was I have to continue to have faith that I'm going to do what it takes uh, to offset my lifestyle in a way that would allow the money that I have to be available for me until the end of my life and leave some to my daughter. But one of the things when I look at how extravagant people can get, I realize that I can't be extravagant. I can't go out and try to uh, live a life of luxury when I know that I want my money to work for me and remain available to me long term. So as we are trying to live this life that we're trying to live, we don't want to work forever for a person who tells us what time to get up and what time to go to bed. But we also don't want to leave a good-paying job too early where our income or our savings don't make it the length of time that we need it to. So these are the kind of conversations we need to have on a regular basis in order to deal with the fact that society has turned us into consumers. And sometimes we find ourselves working to maintain a lifestyle we maintain if we were to retire. I had the misfortune of having, well, I had the fortune of having two cars, and then someone who I was helping took one of my cars and wrecked it. And instead of me being able to count on having two vehicles that were paid for, I now find myself with only one vehicle, and they totaled the other one, giving me about $4,600. Now, you know that that car was worth a whole lot more to me than $4,600. But now I have to figure out, I have to regroup. And one of the things in retirement, we constantly find ourselves having to regroup and to find a way to stimulate income that is beyond the income that we get automatically. But, you know, I just want to give everybody an opportunity to talk about how do they maneuver themselves through this maze of decision-making that is required? I am just as happy as a lot. I would love to have a new car. I'd love to have a, all those new gadgets that come with a new car. But I'm happier knowing save that four or $500 uh, that was going toward the car that I had that was just about to get paid off. And the last thing I want to do is accumulate another bill. But at the same time, I have to be honest with you, that car has been gone for three to four months, and I've yet to save that $400 toward that payment. So at some point, I have to learn how to capture that $400 
I have to capture all the money that I've saved or the money that I accumulate uh, because I do certain things. If you're not going to capture the money, then you might as well spend it. So that's what I'm looking toward now. And I tell you there are a lot of times, and I'm going to tell on myself so that you all will feel free to talk about some of the mistakes you made or some of the corrections you had to make. Last year and for the last two or three years, I have been paying two memberships at a 24-hour fitness. And the reason why I paid those two memberships was because I paid the membership for my trainer, uh, and then when something happened and we ended me going to him coming and training me at that location, I never stopped paying for his membership. Why? Because it was only $30. It wasn't that big a deal. Now I find myself yesterday, I went through my savings and canceled a few things, and I I got 60 additional dollars. But the deal is I need to capture those $60. It's not enough to save those or cut them out of your budget. At some point, you have to capture them. And so that's what's so important to us. Uh, we have a, uh, a three people with us today. I want to introduce uh, someone to you guys. Uh, and Cheryl and, and Reverend Smith, I want you to say hello to Yolanda. Uh, Yolanda, thank you for being on today. You're here with two of my regulars, uh, Reverend Smith and uh, Cheryl. Reverend Smith is out of Florida, and Cheryl is out of Louisiana. Uh, Cheryl and Reverend Smith, please welcome Yolanda. Hello. Good evening, Yolanda. Hi. I'm happy to be How here. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Glad to have you. Yolanda will be here on as a special guest tomorrow uh, to talk about her health journey. Uh, I have been watching her for well over a year through her handstand. She's able to do these incredible handstands, and I'm just like, wow. And she does a lot of running. But I don't want to give all too much to her today. But I do want her and Cheryl to talk about uh, the issues of why women are so consumed with buying these very, very expensive handbags. And we know African Americans are in love with Louis Vuitton and uh, choice bags and all these other bags just as well as white America is. And so we just want to talk about our spending habits and how we – need to be as committed to our saving habits as we are committed to our spending habits. Uh, Cheryl, what, what are your thoughts about this? Good evening, everyone, and how is everyone doing again? Um, you know, your story kind of resonated with me um, until Tyrone came into my um, my life as a financial advisor. And I, too, had not realized the amount of money that I was spending. And, I mean, he cut me down to the necessity and but also showed me a way that now you need to save some of this money, you know, because I was spending it anyway, didn't see it. So I have various ways that I save. You know, I do the 52 Week challenge. That's one thing I do. 
I put a certain amount of money in a savings every week. Not a lot, certain amount. Um, I have a, um, another savings with a credit union that I save a little bit, you know, so that I'm able to see what it is. If I was spending all of this money on these things, then I still should have that money. And I think that was the problem, you know, and just as you mentioned, is that, um, you know, although you're not spending it on those areas, you still are not saving it. And he helped me to see that. And I've always had an entrepreneur mind, you know, always had a business. So I have various businesses, so I don't depend on one thing alone. That way I'm having income coming in in different areas. So, you know, with that, meaning that if something stops or something slow down, then I have maybe three or three other things, you know, that's working for me as well. Now, when you mentioned ladies we like, now I'm going to speak for me. Although I may admire, but I will not. I have not even spent $50. I don't even think I spent $40 on a handbag. I am not going to spend that amount of money. I will buy something that looks just as nice. I'm not about a name. Because if I put a name on something, it's going to be my name. It's not going to be nobody else's name. And I say that because I'm also a seamstress. I can make my clothes and I can put my name on it. I can make handbags and I have and put my name, my logo on it. So, and then another thing too is when I shop, I shop Goodwill. It hurts me to spend over a certain amount of money on one item. I get heart, heart palpitation. I mean, I can't break myself doing it. And I believe, you know, I look just as nice as anybody else doing. And, you know, in my shoes and what I wear, you know, even, you know, the jewelry that I wear. If I can't get a pair of earrings for one ninety nine, I'm gonna keep on look going back until I get some one one ninety nine earrings. So we don't have to, you know, give in to the peer pressure and having to, because I'm not going to support nobody else's business on that big of a scale that's coming out of my pocket. I'm sorry. I get the necessity thing. You know, and I mean, as all of y'all know, I don't even own a TV. And I, I gave up my TV, you know, to be able to get some things that I needed to start my health journey. So I'm not willing, I mean, I'm definitely willing in one of those to give up some things to get the things that's going to actually work for me in the long run. I mean, my son has bought me tablets and all kind of, you know, I'm just down to one cell phone. I do it all on the cell phone. I watch TV if I want on the cell phone. I um, do business on the cell phone. And he um, he gets laptops where he fix them and he sells them, and that's how I get my laptop. So, I can do the same thing, get the same results without having spending all of the, you know, um, this a certain amount of money to keep up uh-huh. with the next person. Now, one thing that I did do, I did invest in a brand new vehicle because I have a grand a grandson 
with a heart condition. I need to be able to get in that vehicle dependable with um, and get there if I need to get there. So that's something that, you know, to me is an investment. And, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to spend money on things, and I'll let things go. And I do this. I recycle. I'll take and have a yard sale and sell my clothes I'm not wearing, and I use that money and get some more clothes. So I'm more practical than, I mean, like I said, it hurt me to my heart if I got to spend very expensive. Uh, Reverend Smith, what, what is your, uh, how do you deal with uh, society saying that people of color are consumers and that we have an a inability to recognize and appreciate the importance of uh, saving and being in control of both our income and our expenditures? James, good evening to each one of you, Cheryl, to um, the young lady, Yolanda. Uh, but I, I, I learned to reconcile long years ago when I watched what happened to my father. Um, my father was the first general, black general contract in the area, anywhere close. And he made oodles and oodles of money. We owned just about everything you could name. And he started chasing women and throwing away money and doing things and wind up. Uh, if it had not been for my mother owning her own club, it would have been it would have been a, a disaster. And I learned I made it a, a point at that particular point that I would not get into that kind of a situation. I don't care how much I love women or anybody else. I'm not about to throw my money away like my dad did. So I learned that years ago. But let me tell you something then, and I told you all this before. I think about it. Uh, an, an old white man asked me, he asked me, he said, Giles, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. He said, why Why is it that you all are the most best-dressed, poverty-stricken people I've ever known? And I said, that's because it, it's a status symbol with us, basically. It is. It's a status symbol that keeps us in the poorhouse keeps us in the poorhouse. And ever since, uh, let's go back to the point of my father. My, we never went into the poorhouse, but when I got old enough, and I, I never had to suffer at all in my lifetime, but when I got old enough, I was supposed to be going to college. But I said, college enough that I'm getting away from here and start my own manhood, and I went to join the military. And from that point on, I started taking care of my own money and saving for myself. You have to look out for yourself and look at what you're buying. I started out feeling just like the others did. I was buying expensive <laughs> clothes and expensive shoes and all of these other things. And looking at, I look at people now today and I say, why are you doing this to yourself? Then you're going to come to me and ask me to borrow $300 so you can finish paying your rent. But you just got your nails and your hair and your new shoes and all this stuff, and you knew you couldn't afford the money in the first place. But because of your friends or, or, or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you've got to look like something that you are not. And that's the biggest problem that we have today. 
We uh, we have over $359 billion economy just in the black community, but we spend all of it in the white community. And, 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 and they know where to market at. They know where to market at. And we'll do that. I told you all before once ago, I used to buy five $6,000 suits. I don't buy those suits anymore. I go to K&G. And, and, and James, you know where KNG is. I buy buy one get two free, and I look just as good in my in my buy one get two free as they do in their four and five hundred six hundred dollar suits and gator shoes. I get why not? I got some artificial gators in there. I've had now for eight years. They look just as good. Take care of what you got, because God didn't. God's not going to keep giving. And giving, and you keep throwing it away. He comforted me so you know, that I might be able to comfort other people, and I do that on a on a constant constant basis. But you can't you can't just walk around willy nilly trying to be something and making yourself out of a status symbol because you're not. You're a child of God, and you you should be a human to a point that you should be responsible. And a lot of people are not responsible people. And that's us. You know, it's amazing to me. I've had two ways of living that have been um, displayed to me. Uh, my mother's side, I had a fa- grandfather who who purchased over 100 acres of farmland, and he raised his children on, and we still have it to this day. And I had a mother who ended her teaching career owning her own home and have more than enough uh, income to take care and to, and to provide uh, lump sums of money to her son. And I also had a father who owned a contracting company who ended up dead broke by the time he, he, he passed away because of a sickness. Uh, and his inability to save money. And nobody on my father's side has accumulated, other than my aunt who got a a, a, a court uh, suit, uh, a lawsuit that she won, but my grandfather died and my father died with literally nothing after having all types of money and being extremely right. good breadwinners initially. That's right. And so here I find myself at the age of 57 wanting to make sure that I leave a legacy for my daughter. Uh, My grandfather left uh, a farm in South Carolina that I hope to invest in and put a new house on at some point. And and I hope to leave this home and a large sum of cash to my daughter, and which means that I can't spend it all willy-nilly. And so I think we need to get in the mindset that we owe something to those who come behind us and that we can't just be frivolous with the monies that we accumulate and uh, spend them up every day knowing that there are people who we love who we want or should want them to have a better life. Uh, Yolanda, what what are your thoughts in terms of economics and how people of color need to make an adjustment and not become just spenders, 
but become providers and create a legacy for their future? Um, my thoughts on that is that I grew up um, one of 11. Um, my dad was a recovering alcoholic, and he recovered when I was five. So I grew up with this 12-step program. My father only had one piece of property, and he totally, totally believed in paying that property off and uh, leaving it to, to us. We grew up, I grew up in East Palo Alto, which is near Stanford University, and being around uh, across the bridge where you're with multimillionaires, and then you go back and you're in the ghetto of East Palo Alto, but my father was um, such a strong and amazing man that he knew that that property was going to be worth millions, and so he paid paid the property off um, and he he begged us to keep it in the family, you know, for years to come. Um, by growing up as one of 11, we didn't have much. We grew up really poor. So when I graduated from high school and I I bought a, a it was called a Monarch, Mercury Monarch car. Um, I struggled with the car. I struggled with, um, at that time, my favorite purse still is today is the Gucci. And um, at $300, you know, 40 years ago, that was a whole lot of money. However, when I got married at age 25 and had my son, everything changed. Everything changed when I got married and had my children. It was all about them, having them to have a good life, teaching them morals and values about money. We've always, we lived in Silicon, we moved to San Jose, we lived in Silicon Valley. My husband is an engineer. So at that time, um, we owned a home, nice home, and the B&W came out, the 320i. Uh, my husband bought the first BMW, two, uh, the 320i. However, we kept that car all the way up until my son turned, our son turned 16, and I teased him. It was a 1983, and I told him, teased him, and said, you were conceived in this car. <laughs> and he drove it until the our mechanic said, if you make me work on that car, then I quit. However, um, at that time, there was no more Gucci's for me. There was no more shopping at iMagnons and things like that. I I learned to shop at Marshalls. I learned to Ross. You can get the same name brands at discount stores if you learn how to shop. I have a beautiful mm. home. So we moved to Southern California, moved into Mission Viejo in Orange County, South Orange County at that. My kids were the only blacks at the whole elementary school to show you that the environment that we were in. But I wanted my kids to get a free, very good education my son went off and got double masters at two different universities at the same time. My daughter is a missionary. Um, then when the kids left home, ten, I'm celebrating this year 10 years of marathoning, and um, I use my money now on my health and fitness. I'm in very good health. I rather spend um, my marathons now, they, they cost a lot. I do multiple days. They cost a lot of money. The race that I just did um, earlier this month, the entry fee was $700 for a six-day race, plus your travel and all those expenses. So I use my money 
for my health. I have a membership that I've been at LA Fitness for 20 years, and that membership is only $19 a month where a new person will walk in, and it's $89 a month. So health is your new wealth. I spend my money on my health, not my cars, not my clothes. Um, that's where my money. So that's my take on that. When you have children and your, your whole values change, you want the best, especially growing up with one of 11 dirt poor. I wanted them at the beginning to have every latest toy, every gadget that came out. And then when I realized that I was spending so much money on these gadgets, that stuff that just was worthless within two months, they didn't even play with it, then I stopped. I started investing in their education, uh, started um, saving for their college funds, and like I said, I'm so proud of my son. When I got my double Guinness, he decided to get a double master's at two universities at the same time. And so that's kind of my take on materialistic things. However, I don't have a lot of control over their personalities. My son is Nordstrom, and my daughter is Goodwill. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, listen, let me just share with you. Um, we're looking so forward to having your journey in terms of health be a part of our monthly shows uh, because there is a lot for us to learn. I know there's a lot I need to learn from you related to uh, becoming active. Um, Regina, uh, I'd like to ask you to, to welcome Yolanda to the show. She's uh, one of our new guest hosts. She'll be on tomorrow for the first time, but luckily we were able to get her to be a part of the show today. And we're just talking about uh, economics related to people of color and how we need to change the way we do business. Uh uh, the white America counts on us being spenders and not controlling our income and just uh, allowing our expenses to take advantage of us. And we need to create a new atmosphere or environment where we control more of our wealth and leave a legacy to those that we love and make sure that people respect who we are and what it is that we're we're doing and the the role we play here in America. Uh, Regina? Well, you said Yolanda? Yes. Um, Hi, Yolanda. Hi. (laughs) How are you? Hi, and and welcome. I'm from South Carolina, and we welcome you. Thank you. Um, When we think about money, I think it is um we we are it's a misconception that we are that we are um working or controlling our wealth. I have to control my money so that I can create wealth. So that is what I am working on, controlling my spending habits, which I have I really have my spending habits under control. Um, so now it's a matter of of um, budgeting, looking at the bills, paying off bills, 
so that I can create wealth and see this wealth healed. Um, I think we need to to research and see how we can best build wealth because now what I'm seeing coming at at me, um, James and, and Yolanda, I'm seeing people sending me information or trying to get me to uh, sell insurance or coins or buy into to gold bars. You know, it seems like everybody has some sort of business that they need me to be a part of so that I can get other people to be a part of it so that they, the people who have invited me, can can be on the top level and gain wealth. So, And that's hard. Like, I know I need money. I know I need to to do something. But who do I trust? Which ones of these businesses are trustworthy and are real? So that's where I am, um, you know, getting a lot of people coming at me to to become a, an entrepreneur in their line of business. And I want to do it because I need to build wealth. But I think we, we just need to, to learn how to research and what makes a good business to go into. And and that's just where yeah. I am right now. Well, Cheryl, I mean, excuse me, Regina, I have to be honest with you. I have made a lot of mistakes. Call me Little Rick. <laughs> when I was young, he said, boy, you got rich ideas and little money. And uh, I have always strived towards uh, being successful. And I always got this rule about myself. I say I'd rather fail trying uh, than to have little or nothing and not go after my dreams. I accept the fact that I've made mistakes. But I'm not going to stop trying. Uh, but what you do is learn as you make your mistakes. I know that um, now that the money that I have after retiring and the lump sum that I received from my school system, uh, I know that I have to make that money work for me and work long term. And then I have to take another type of money and try to make it work for me short term. And to go after the, my goals and expectations and the things that I want so that I can have the freedom I want to have. But I want to make sure no matter how successful I am or unsuccessful I am, that my daughter at some point will benefit from my living. If nobody benefits from your living, then you've done something wrong. And though I appreciate the fact that I taught a lot of people and gave education, helped people get their education, there's nothing more valuable to me than my daughter and her 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 living, her ability. She's going to be my daughter till the very end. So, therefore, she don't want to hear no excuses when she comes to me. All she wants to know is that I got a solution for whatever problem she may have. And if I'm unable to do that, then I've done something wrong. Uh, Joyce, we want to thank you for the show today. Uh, I also want you to say hello to Yolanda. Yolanda will be our uh, guest host tomorrow. Uh, she's going to give us an uh, opportunity to hear about her journey. Uh, but, Joyce, we'd just like you to say hello to Yolanda. 
Yolanda Joyce is um is close to you uh in the um gosh, Joyce, I don't know why I just forgot. Where are you tell you give me Yolanda your name and a big hello and where you're from. Hi, Yolanda. My name is Joyce and I'm from uh Arizona. Oh, okay. You're close to me. I was in Arizona a couple of weeks ago. Cool. Okay. Uh, Joyce, uh, uh, Joyce what, what is your thoughts in regards to how we have to become better consumers and how we have to live our lives economically so that the world or the people benefit outside of ourselves to our living? Well, you know, uh, my nephew was just visiting from Texas, and we were just speaking about this uh, last night about uh, how blacks used to own everything of our own. We used to have our own stores. We used to have our own uh, washer and dryer places so where we can go do our liquor store. Everything was within our community, but right now uh, our blacks, as far as community, don't own anything. And what we was looking at and what we were thinking about is that this, this uh, Carolina is uh, up for sale, and P. Diddy is is there trying to to purchase it. But we was looking at the basketball game, and all these basketball players going up and down the up and down the court amongst the millionaires. If they would just pull their money together as one and start investing and put and channeling it back into the communities, and it's letting the average person like you and I know that there are opportunity for us to grow too within them making the money just uh, maneuver and work itself within the community. So we need something, I feel, that's something like we used to have where we can have our own ownership. And we cannot do that going and uh, uh, catering to others that are not of our own. So uh, what I have been doing, I've been trying to look for resources of things that I need and then just hopefully that I can cater to a brother or sister and uh, start from there. You know, I think it's so important, like you say, because the only way we're going to get black unemployment down to manures who are willing to hire people in the black community. Uh, we know that there's a limited amount of white entrepreneurs and business people it's not for so many African-Americans they're going to hire. So it's important that we establish uh, the opportunity to hire ourselves, and we can't do that if African-Americans are unwilling to go into business and support each other's business. So, Reverend Smith, one of the things is, you know, we need to encourage. I'm going to just say this, um, Reverend Smith. I was born in 1960, and I thought my parents encouraged me despite the fact that my dad was a, a one of the largest African-American construction owners in, in the um, area of Orlando, he chose not to get me into the business. My mother was a teacher, and so I was pushed towards college, uh, education, and a career. But we all know that careers, in order to do or make a dent in unemployment, you have to own businesses that can hire people. So no matter how great or good I was in terms of having a job, and I had two jobs most of the time, I was not in a position to hire people. I was only in a position to keep myself employed. And so at some point in time, we need African Americans out there who are in a position to employ people. 
Are you there, Reverend James? I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with, and I agree with what uh, Regina said. Um, we, we, there's a sickness. There's a sickness within our uh, culture that we, it's, it's. I don't know what we're going to do about it. And she was talking about these wealthy um, movie stars, basketball players, baseball players, football players, and all of that. And no, I don't. I only know a few that really uh, have done anything constructive uh, with their monies, except go down to clubs and take fifty thousand dollars cash in a briefcase so they can show everybody how much money they got and throw it away. Uh, but let me go back to one thing that you said. I, my daughters, I have three daughters, and my daughters used to always come to me about. Dad, I want them, and this was Joyce, I think, uh, um, not Joyce, but uh, Cheryl that said this when she was talking about name brands. And I used to tell my daughters, I said, okay, we'll get you some name brands. So I tell their mother to go down to Walmart uh, or Kmart at that time and get some of those jeans down there and come back home and sew my name on it. And they got name brands. And I, I taught my I taught my daughters. I really did. I taught my daughters the value of holding on to something. And like you are saying also, James, you're saying that you're looking to leave a legacy for your daughter. Do you know what? I intend to leave one, but I refuse to tell them that because I don't want them sitting around looking for what daddy has. So what I've done, I told them all. I said, okay. I might have money. I said, but I intend to spend all of it before I die. I said, maybe, and then I'd go back to God and tell him to forgive me. I said, because if I allow them to believe that they're just going to be able to sit back and reap the harvest of what I've done, then they won't want to do anything themselves. I used to, when I was stationed in Miami, I used to send back extra amount of $40 a, a, a week to my mother so she would give my daughters a job doing something around her house so that they would get good work ethics. Then I sent them all to college. So now I tell them, I'm through with you. I'm through with you. I'm through with you, period. It's because I've got you. I got you through school. You got good work ethics. You all got good jobs. And now... I'm through. So it's you on your own. And and they they really believe I mean that. But I, I guess they believe it. They probably know better. But deep down inside of me, I know that I'm not going to do that. But we've got to stop letting our children believe that they can, all I got to do is go so far. All I got to do is go so far, and then I got it made after that because my daddy or my mama, whomever, my uncle Jojo or my uncle Lulu going to leave me this. I ain't leaving you nothing. I'm spending all of mine. But that's not true. So we've got to get a better thought, thought process going for ourselves in reference to what we, in, uh, what we want to do and allow our children to understand that this is something that you've got to gain for yourself. 
I worked hard. I gave people jobs. I gave people jobs because I had a pest control business and a lucrative pest control business for 19 years. And I had several trucks and several black people working for me. I even put up a grocery store. I told you all about that. I put up a grocery store, started selling stuff out of that grocery store only five cents, not five percent, but five cents above wholesale. And the black people bypassed me to go to the white man. So what can you do? All I can do is keep telling them and trying to get them to understand and to see that these Gucci bags and all this other foolishness that you're uh, so crazy about, not only that, but the cars that you are purchasing. I got a new car because I can afford a new truck. I can afford I've worked all of my life for this truck. But I know for a fact that my daughters can't afford one. I could buy them one, but I'm not going to buy them one. I want them to suffer right on through it, and they're doing just fine. Daddy, you know what should I do about such and such or what? Because, oh, I, honey, that's your, that's your thing. You handle it. You're grown now. Anytime you pass 40, you're grown. So you do your thing. But, but Dad, I want, hey, don't call me no more with that foolishness. But they know <laughs> they get in a pit. I do. I'm hard on them because I don't want them having to learn to depend on nobody. I don't care how old you get. Don't learn to depend on nothing that someone else has. God gave you the strength and the ability, and I put you all through college, and you all got extra because every one of my children make over 60 grand a year. So what in the world have I got to sit back here and hold on to my money for? No, I'm going to leave it to them, but they don't know that. And so that's the way I feel about it. I, I, I'm, I'm not yeah, Yolanda, let me ask you, what what are your thoughts about what uh, America needs to be doing to help better uh, position themselves in this new economic world and to keep us from looking to the federal government or white America to save us? I I believe education is, is a way, but also... Um, if you have role models that are out there working really hard, and um, back to my my two kids, um, they're this new generation. They're extremely spoiled. However, um, yeah, they're just um, financially spoiled. But I'm just like, I'm sorry, I didn't get the gentleman's name that just spoke. But I'm the same way. I let my kids. Oh, hi. And I, I let them know um, I'm, it's my turn. And like, um, it's my turn. I, I, I was a stay at home at mom. I did, I put them before me, not only financially, but everything with them. And they are actually like my son half speaks to me because he still feels he lives in Atlanta and I'm here in California and I'm still supposed to check in on him. But I'm now living my life. I'm living my life. I'm an athlete. I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm breaking records all around the world. And they feel 
I owe them something. I'm mom. Mom's not supposed to do what she's doing. Right. And we, right. yeah, and that I feel the same way you do. I'm spending my money. Yeah, I'm going right. to leave you something. You're going to have the property. You'll have the cars. But as far as me living my life, I'm living my life now. And that right. and, and the sport that I'm in, unfortunately, it doesn't pay if you don't play basketball, football, golf, or you know, you're not going to get the endorsements. And but I'm not looking for that. I'm. I got a. You'll hear my story tomorrow. I. I'm badass, and I don't care what my kids think anymore. And I'm not leaving them. I'm going to take care of me now. I'm. I'll be 60 years old May 8th, and it's my turn. I've been living my life now for the last 10 years, um, the way I want to live it. I did everything by the book. You know, I was the best wife, still am the best wife, the best wife, the best mother, the way society says. And you're absolutely right as far as when we will overlook black people that are in business or doing things. Last year, I started the Extreme Walk for Diabetes when I was in New York for two and a half months doing the 3,100-mile race. I had a a, um, event where you, while I was in New York, you did a virtual run. You ran, walk, hop, skip, jump, do whatever, a mile a day, um, every day, while I was out doing 60 miles a day. I didn't have but only one black person that signed up for that event, and, and it was only 31 bucks. And you got a medal. You're on my website as a finisher, and how many miles did you, you made? So now I'm doing it again this year. It'll be um, it'll be open uh, February 1st. That's when. So this year I'm doing something different where you get to go online and train with me as I train for this race. And I was talking to two people yesterday, and they told me about what some white woman is doing, and they were to spend their money with her to train with That's her right. and to train with me. And I, right. and I made both of them like, are you, excuse my French, but I literally said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I go, where is this mentality coming from? And I've experienced um, over the last 10 years, I had never experienced so much male chauvinist, racism, and I never knew I was black until I started doing these power walking, if that makes sense. I mean, I never had to be black first. I had to be, I, I knew I was black, but I was black third or fourth. But being black uh-huh. first, it it, it 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 makes you kind of bitter a little bit, and you might can hear uh-huh. it in my voice <laughs> because it's like, are you kidding me? You would go this unknown woman who started a race, and you would go give her your money before you would a world champion. <laughs> it just it just blew my mind yesterday. I was like, okay, hmm. again, know your circle. That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I can tell you that being a part of our group, uh, we're going to find ways to support each other uh, as much as we can. I'm a long way from being a a runner. In fact, I need to be a walker. (laughs) Ooh, that's uh, what I am. (laughs) Yes, that's what I am. Oh, my God. Yeah. Joyce, uh, let me uh, ask you, you have always – Oh, no, I'm sorry. Cheryl, you have always been talking about the kinds of things we need uh, economically 
but truly we find ourselves in a position where the federal government is not trying or looking to support people of color. No, you know, and as we talked about it so many times, it's a time for us to start coming up. You know, one of the things that I heard, you know, um, throughout the conversation um, so far, you know, about people leaving somebody money or, or family or children. And, you know, I have in a, a point to when somebody wants to borrow some money from me or, or wants, well, ask me for some money, they can borrow it from me. And trust me, if you come back the second time, even to borrow, I'm going to show you how to make money. And if you don't, if you're not interested in making money, then you don't need to come back to me ever again when it comes to money. Because every one of us do what we have to do to make our money. And it does not come easy. And for us to make money while somebody sit back and look at and want to spend your money and not do what you do. And just like Pastor um, Smith, I think, said or somebody said about getting the hair done and the nails done, you know, getting all of this stuff done and not taking care of the necessity thing but want to borrow it from you. You know, it's just not going to – and I can really alienate a lot of people. I show them a business plan or I tell them, you know, if you do referrals, which you would get, I tell – you know, you're going to do something to get some money. But I'm not in the business of giving money to people. So I'll teach you how to make some money. It's like you said, I can feed you once, but I'm not going to feed you every day, but I can teach you to fish. And that's what I do. You know, even with my youngest son, who's 18 years old right now, he's in college. I mean, he's working, and today he's off, but guess where he's at? He's at work. And he understands that money that's in your savings, that's not to touch. That means that's saved money. And if he runs out of his money for the week, he can borrow some money. But after he pay his tithes, after he pay his bills, then he has to pay me what he owes me. Then he will have what he has left. So, you know, and each one of my children, if they come to me, they're borrowing money. They don't, they don't even ask, can they give it? Because, you know, I had to just basically, you know, I've been a single parent mostly all of their life. So I've had to struggle, and I've had different businesses, and I did what I had to do to provide for them. So they know what it is to value money. Now, if you choose to spend it however you want, you can borrow it from it, but you sure can't have it. Because just like I can cut corners, you can cut corners as well. All right. Uh, Joyce, uh, what what are your thoughts in terms of us creating a new kind of environment for ourselves and working to the point and stop looking at the federal government uh, because right now they are not looking to support people of color in any way, form, or fashion. 
Well, I, I, I've never been a supporter of the federal government, and I've always raised my kids to be self-supportive. And particularly now with where we're going in life and uh, what is looking forward to our young people, there's no Social Security, whereas we we are comfortable enough and lucky enough that we're able to retire with Social Security. It's not going to be there for the young generation. So what our young generation has to do is start paying themselves, like I told you, what my dad told me, once I earn my paycheck, I deserve to pay myself first. I pay me first. And that is by banking half of my paycheck and going from there. So I paid myself for putting up with all the bull that I put up all week, all the chatterboxes, everything, all the everything that I had to put up with that, that during that time frame. So you pay yourself first. We got to teach our young people to do that and stop being so materialistic because all this stuff that they got to have, it'll be out of style. From now, you don't even know how to operate it, and they've gone on to something else. So we got to value more to life than materialistic things. So we got to start teaching that. And the only way that we teach it is to start doing. So our kids are looking at us. So they're looking at our lifestyle. They're looking at how we handle our money. So that's the best way to teach a person, not from outside, but from inside. By looking, seeing what you do, explaining how, how you do, give them responsibilities, have them to pay bills, sing a parent. All, all three of you guys or four of you guys living in the household, they need to take on some of that responsibility too. Uh, I worked when I was at the age of 16. So some of these young kids, they don't, they don't even know what work is because if they play basketball, they think that they're going to have a, a great basketball. You can only have so many Michael Jordan. So therefore, you need a responsibility. You need to learn how to take out the trash. You need to learn how to write a check. You need to learn how to count back money. These are our basics that we need to teach our young people how to do and mostly how to survive because we as a black race, we have always been survivors. But I think that we're not passing those survivor skills on to our young people. And if we don't do that, the government, we see what our government and how our government feel about minorities. So believe me, we definitely don't want them to get the, the right end of the stick. Survivor, no matter how hard the economy is, that's because we, we were taught how to survive. So we have to pass that, that, that lesson along. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and uh, let everybody have their final word for this evening. Faithful and true to you. 
I am this woman. I am this woman that has set the expectations of the world to take my rightful place among the stars. The woman that does not use the traditional roadmaps to a given place, but create my own destination. I am this woman that maintain her intrinsic beauty in ways not determined by others' thoughts, but by my own sense of uniqueness, my own desire of sexiness and allure. I am this woman designed by my creator to scale the height of the unbounded, allowing my talents to be seen by the masses while inspiring those yet to dream to greatness. I am the mother of the world, deserving the respect of all that walk under the gravity of the earth, igniting the love that exists in all men while being the birthplace of the future. I am this woman. I am this woman that ascends the expectation of the world to take my rightful place among the stars. The woman who does not use the traditional roadmaps to a given place, but creates my own destination. I am this woman that maintains her intrinsic beauty in ways not determined by others' thoughts, but by my own sense of uniqueness, my own desire of sexiness and allure. I am this woman designed by my creator to scale the height of the unbounded, allowing my talents to be seen by the masses while inspiring those to dream. I am the woman of the world, deserving the respect of all that walk under the gravity of the earth. Igniting the love that exists in all men while being the birthplace of the future. I am this woman. Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. Uh, Joyce, uh, what is your final thought for this evening? Are you there, Joyce? Well. Well, my, my, my final thought uh, for today would be to that we really have to reevaluate as to where we are, where we're trying to, what we're trying to accomplish and where we're trying to go uh, as a people. Uh, we, we have to really kind of reevaluate what we want and what is important to us. We have to reevaluate our lifestyle, too, because uh, materialistic uh, is not where it is. Uh, that's not that's not the answer. Being um, more re- realistic, we got to go back to the basics, the basic of the Bible. Thank you. Cheryl, your final thought for this evening. Well, I believe that we just like Joyce said, we need to go back to the basics. We need to start being the owners of businesses and employing each other. We need to be able to support each other before we go out and support 
other. You know, and not only that, if we can, the ones that are doing it, to be able to teach others and set that example. And if we have to lead them, you know, in the things that we're doing when we go look for places and becoming, you know, owners of our own businesses. So we can all um, take part in that and sharing that with others. All right, Yolanda, what is your final thought for this evening? And as you complete your final thought, please give out to everybody your website page and uh, other information. We're going to have you on tomorrow, and you'll be able to do it several times as well. But we really want to get that information out to people today uh, so they get tuned in to you tomorrow. We just look so forward to your first uh, out as, as host. Uh, so what is your final thoughts, and make sure that you give out uh, your, your your information related to uh, your journey. Thank you. Put your money on your health. Your health, without your health, you can't do what you do. So my final thoughts is just put your money on your health. Eat healthy. Buy healthy food. Do not buy junk food. Also, Move your body every day. It only takes 15 minutes to walk a mile. That's only 15 minutes out of your 24 hours in a day. Type 2 diabetes is rapid in the African-American community. We are number one. I lost both my parents to type 2 diabetes. I'll tell you more about it um, tomorrow. You can reach me on any of my social media sites, Yolanda Holder. Uh, my website is YolandaHolder.com, and i um, looking forward to talking to you guys tomorrow. And thank you so much for having me. All right, Reverend Smith, your final thought for this evening? Well, I like what everyone else said about what we need to do, and it is all true. I'm just praying that we come to our senses like uh, everybody have been saying. We have got to. Before immigration, we did have our own business, and people were catering to one another. But we know for ourselves that since integration, that all have changed. We would rather bypass a brother's or sister's business and go to the white man because the first thing come out of our mouth I don't want to make that N-word rich. And that's a sad commentary for us. I always try to teach and have taught my kids, and I still, they're grown behind women now, but I still teach them that, you know, can you go to a, a, a black mechanic or can you go to this or can you go to that? That's the best way to do it. We've got to learn, refocus ourselves, refocus, refocus. Those people don't care nothing about us. They really don't. I don't know why we think they do, but they don't. After everything that has happened, we need to realize that and do the right thing. Do the right thing. Praise God. As always, guys, I want to just thank you for your continued support and recognize that we have to have a way uh, to let our voices be heard so often you hear me tell you that nobody's calling us 
and asking what we think about anything. And so when they talk about America says this and America says that, it is not people of color who they're referring to. So we just want to make sure and recognize that in order for us to have a voice, we have to create our own opportunities, our own shows, and speak in a way that people can hear us and not under not have any way of trying to recreate the voice that we have. I want to thank you all so much, and we'll be here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Uh, ready and prepared to listen to the journey of Yolanda Holder. And I tell you, it's going to be exciting. I've been paying attention to her for over a year on Lincoln and all the amazing things that she does. And we want to give her the opportunity to inspire us uh, and let her uh, help us to get on our own individual journeys. Take care, everybody, and I'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Take care. Uh